listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to teach today on uh, something the Lord gave me yesterday and that I've been studying. It's the principle that Elisha used to obtain double portion of anointing from Elijah. And we're going to talk about that because I'm believing, and as you know, we've been talking about this uh, for months now, that we're believing that 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase, expedited favor. And of course, if you haven't seen this, the new magazine is getting ready to ship and it's the main article I wrote for the winter, Violent Increase, as you can see there on the bottom right-hand side, uh, to set your faith for the new year for this, Violent Increase, Expedited Favor. And if you haven't signed up to receive the magazine, it ships in just a few days, uh, miracleword.com forward slash live. You can fill it out and uh, you'll get one absolutely free every time they are released, which is once a quarter. And uh, you know, don't miss, don't miss out on that. They're coming out in just a few days. So we're going to be talking, obviously, about how to set your faith to see that kind of an increase in 2020. But today, uh, in just a moment, we're going to jump into this thought. What is this element that Elisha used to receive double portion, an impartation from Elijah? And why did he have the ability to receive it even when Elijah said, you've asked for a hard thing? Now, you're talking about the prophet Elijah that did so many powerful miracles, mind-blowing how God used him in his time, and uh, even a man that saw miraculous things happen throughout his ministry heard the request of Elisha and said, this is a hard thing that you've asked. This is a hard thing that you've asked, but how did Elisha obtain it uh, even when it seemed like it was a hard thing in the spirit? And I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a moment. But I wanted to make a quick announcement, and I want to say thank you. If you guys have noticed, for the last few days, we've been in a different room uh, filming these live streams because our studio is currently under uh, construction. We're getting new things put in, uh, new floorings being laid, new things, not only no, new walls, but soundproofing that we're ordering and having installed. Guys were here yesterday working. There's guys here today working. And uh, we're just getting ready for what God has in 2020, getting ready to launch on television all over the world. And so what we did for the rest of the month of December is we've done what we're calling uh, a challenge. And I'm giving a challenge to all of our partners and those that stand with us. Uh, we're believing for a $10,000 challenge before December comes to an end. We're going to complete all these things and get it ready and be ready to run in 2020. And uh, since Monday, we've had probably about 2,000 towards that come in already. So we're believing for 8,000 to continue and finish off the $10,000 challenge. And so uh, thank you, every person that's already sowed, standing with us, believing God for increase and for this generation to be touched by the power of the gospel. So those of you that are watching, I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith and get ready to see this generation changed by the power of God. You can do that. Instructions are on the screen. If you'd like to use the Cash App, the uh, name is MWGive. And uh, I had a couple people write me and say, I can't, I don't know how to find that. When you select how much you're going to sow and you hit the pay button inside Cash App, 
it will ask you to type the name of the account that you're going to send that to. And that's it right there. MW Give. Thank you, Miss Luenda. I love you. Thank you for sowing a seed. Um, you can give by hashtag donate in the comments if you're watching on Periscope or Facebook. And then if you're on any platform, even on the podcast listening, you can always go to miracleword.com, click on the give tab and sow a seed right through the website. And uh, so I want to encourage you. And I was going to do this and I never even made my staff um, aware of it. So I'm going to say it live on the broadcast. Here we go, Jenna. Um, For every person that sows $1,000 or more, I'm going to have a genuine leather New Living Translation Bible for you that I'm going to sign and uh, send to you as well to tell you that I love you and appreciate you for standing with us. I don't know if Jenna's still on. She heard that. It's a genuine leather New Living Translation Bible that we're going to have sent to you. I'm going to sign it to you just to say thank you for every person that sows $1,000 or more. We appreciate you very much and thank you for standing with us and believe in God for the greatest days that we've ever seen in the kingdom before Jesus comes. And uh, he's coming very soon. I could do a whole broadcast on how close we are to the coming of the Lord. Uh, So I'm very, very excited. I know Jenna's like, here we go. Uh, But that's what I felt to do this morning when I was praying. And so that's what we're going to do. And so thank you to those of you that are sowing. Really appreciate it. Um, Let's jump into this. I want you to take your Bible with me and uh, start by turning to uh, the book of 2 Kings. Uh, And we're going to look at the second chapter of 2 Kings. If you haven't done so already, take a minute and share the broadcast. And uh, I want to show you this in the time that we have left together. This is a principle that Elisha used in his life with Elijah. Now, you could look at this and say, okay, Elijah, uh, obviously a master prophet. I'm actually finishing the book on impartation now. God's shown me so much uh, in these last few days alone. It's been, it's been amazing. I mean, just literally, I can't wait for you guys to see this book. But one of the things the Lord began to show me, and of course, we know uh, that Elijah was a master prophet. And the reason that we know that is because Samuel the prophet had founded schools throughout that entire region, schools of prophets. And so if you've ever read in the Old Testament through Kings or Samuel, and you've seen uh, phrases like sons of the prophets, or he was one of the sons of the prophets, the sons of the prophets was a term used for those that were prophets in training, those that were part of those schools. And they were founded by Samuel the prophet. After Samuel the prophet passed away, uh, we know from scripture that Elijah took over if you will, as more of the headmaster, like like Samuel was, of those schools. And you can see throughout scripture, Elijah teaching those prophets and training them up. They would sit at his feet, the Bible says, and he would teach and train them. And they were called the sons of the prophets. Well, that shows us and proves to us, obviously, that Elijah was not the only prophet on the earth at the time when he was ministering. And it also shows us that Elisha, was not the only one in training and he was not the only one seeking to receive impartation from Elijah because all of the sons of the prophets were in position to receive impartation from Elijah. We know that from scripture. 
and uh, they were open to it. They sat at his feet. They were receptive. But Elisha ended up being able to receive more than the sons of the prophets were able to receive. And I believe there's a a few reasons for this. We're going to talk about this today. How was Elisha able to walk into a double portion of God's uh, power through Elijah's spirit? And um, I want to say something here at the very beginning that's very important for you to hear. It's not that, of course, God did it, and so it was part of his will. But notice that it's not a word that came from God. I want you to see that right off the bat. Elisha's double portion is not a word that came from God. You know, God somehow spoke through the prophet Elijah and said, when I leave the earth, you shall receive a double portion of my spirit. That didn't happen. Elijah did not prophesy and give a word from the Lord to Elisha that he would receive a double portion of his spirit or his ministry. Uh, and, And it's not something that the Lord spoke to Elisha that we have record of, but When he persevered with Elijah, when he continued to serve him and to follow after him, there came a time where Elijah asked him, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Elisha answered him and said, I want a double portion of your spirit. So I want you to go with me now. We're in second Kings chapter two. And I'm going to kind of go through some of these uh, first verses uh, kind of quickly just to show you because they make three stops on the way to Elijah being taken up in a chariot of fire. They make three stops. And at every one of these stops, these were locations of the schools of the prophets. And so when they leave, look look at this. You can actually uh, go to verse one. The Bible says, now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And the Lord said to Elisha, please stay here. Excuse me. And and Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here. Now this was a test. I want you to catch this because there were multiple tests on this final journey to try to get Elisha to separate himself from Elijah. Catch this. Trying to get Elisha to separate himself from Elijah. This is key. He said, uh, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. And Elisha said, now catch this. Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, don't you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, yes, I know it, but keep quiet about it. So notice what's happening here is that all these sons of the prophets are trying to flex their spiritual muscles and tell Elisha what they can see in the spirit. Don't you realize Elijah's being taken away today? It's his day to be transferred out. And Elisha says, of course I know it. I'm a prophet in training just like you are. You think you can see things about my master that I can't see? Of course I can see it. And so it's interesting because the sons of the prophets could see and sense and knew that Elijah, the master prophet, was getting ready to be taken away. But Elisha also knew it. But what did he tell them? Stay quiet about it. Why? Because I'm not focusing on the fact that he's being taken away. 
I know it's happening. I know there's a timeline, but I'm focusing on what I want to receive from him before he's taken away. So catch this. He said, yes, I know it, but keep quiet. And Elijah said to him, now here's another test. Verse four, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. So now he's going from Bethel, which stands for the house of God to Jericho. But Elisha replied, as the Lord lives and you yourself lives, uh, live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho and look at this again, another school of the prophets, the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, don't you know that today the Lord's taking away your message? He said, of course I know. Stay quiet about it. And then Elijah said again, uh, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood some distance from them. And they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak, struck the Jordan, and it parted one side to the other. And the two of them, the two, now stop there, the two of them, take a minute to share this because this is so vital, so vital for the body of Christ. And the two of them went across on dry ground. Not 52 of them, two of them. Are you seeing this? The sons of the prophets were there. In fact, all those sons of the prophets in every area, in Bethel, in Jericho, now by the Jordan, they all had an opportunity to continue on and press in with Elijah, but they didn't. But Elisha did. Are you seeing this? All of those sons of the prophets had the opportunity to keep moving forward with Elijah, but they were satisfied to stay where they were. This is so important, man. And if you're taking notes, and I want you to write this in the comment section, every person that's watching, pop it down. I am not satisfied to stay where I am. Pop that in the comments. I am not satisfied to stay where I am. You got to write that in the comments because this is one of the major keys that put Elisha on another level from the sons of the prophets. I am not satisfied to stay where I am. That's it. Write it in the comment section and never forget that. I like um, what my grandfather used to say. And if you hear any noise, we still have people here working. So as you heard yesterday, the construction's going on. We still got people working today. So if you hear noises off in the distance, that's what you're hearing. Um, I love a, a phrase that my grandfather used to say before he passed away. He used to say, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. I am satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. What does that mean? I'm thankful for where the Lord has brought me from, but I'm also thankful knowing this is not the end of my journey, that I've got more to receive from God and I'm not going to stop here. I'm gonna keep moving forward. And so my grandfather used to say, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. Why is he still dissatisfied in the middle of that? Because although I'm thankful for where I've come from and I'm not still there, I'm still headed somewhere. I'm still headed somewhere. You know, people that stop halfway on their way to blessing or impartation or increase, it would be as foolish as if you were taking a trip, for example. Let's say you were gonna take your family to Disney World and 
you know, you got on a plane from wherever you live, let's say maybe somebody up in Massachusetts, you jumped on an airplane in Boston and your layover was like Charlotte or Atlanta before you got to Orlando. It would be foolish for you to jump off the plane in Charlotte or, or Atlanta and, and get all excited and start fist bumping and chest bumping, throw the Mickey Mouse ears on and leave the airport and say, we're headed to Disney World. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. You, if you're headed to Orlando for Disney World with the kids, you can't be satisfied with Charlotte. You can't be satisfied with Atlanta because Disney World's not in Charlotte and Disney World's not in Atlanta. It's in Orlando. So even though you've hit your layover, you're closer to Disney World than you've ever been before you started your trip, but you're not there yet. Don't stop traveling forward until you reach what you know is your promise. And that's what the devil tries to get people to do is to get satisfied with where they are, to get satisfied with where they are. Don't be satisfied. That's why I had you uh, write it in the comments section. If you're still watching, keep writing it. I'm not satisfied to stay where I am. I'm not satisfied to stay where I am. That's not my story. I'm going to move forward into what God has planned for me. And so it's interesting to me that in this story that the sons of the prophets, although they knew the power of Elijah, although they sat under his ministry, although they received from him continually, they did not. And let me stop and go, go a step further than that. They did not only do all those things, but they knew from their own admission to Elisha, they knew that Elijah was getting ready to be taken away. They knew it. And they still were satisfied to stay in Bethel, to stay in Jericho, to stay by the Jordan River. But notice, Elisha was not satisfied. And the test of his heart, I believe, was there so that God would know how tied in to Elijah's vision and ministry Elisha was. And so what did he do? He stuck by him. Even when his own master said, hey, don't, don't come with me. Stay here. Stay behind. And I'm sure it would have been easier to not travel. But no, he said, I, I refuse. I refuse to stay where I am. I'm moving forward. And that's got to be your story too. I refuse to stay where I am. I'm moving forward. And 2020 has got to be a year where you make up in your mind, it is not going to look like or be like 2019. I'm moving forward in every area of my life. My devotion to the Lord will move forward. My faithfulness to the kingdom will move forward. My efforts to see God move in my own family and life will move forward. My prayer life will move forward. My fasting will move forward. My giving will move forward. My witnessing and my soul winning efforts will move forward. Every area of my life is moving forward in Jesus name. I'm not staying where I am. I'm not satisfied with this final location. It's not going to be my finality. It's not going to be the end of my story. I'm increasing. I'm ever increasing. And so notice this, that Elisha said, I won't leave you. 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 I won't leave you three times and continue to cross. And now the Bible says, and when Elijah struck the Jordan river with his mantle, the two of them moved across on dry ground. What happened to the other 50? They stayed on the other side 
and just watched. They stayed on the other side and just watched. Let me ask a question. How many people have been satisfied? Think back through the years. How many people in the body of Christ have been satisfied to just stay back and watch as others move forward? Think of the trick of the devil to get people to become satisfied. And I'm not talking about what Paul taught about contentment and being content with what God's blessed you with, knowing that he still has more. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe in understanding, I believe in and understand contentment and not being greedy and, and being blessed and thanking God for what you already have and what he's already done. But I'm not going to be so foolish that I believe it's all he'll ever do. You understand? Because here's what happens. Um, you have people that hear this message and they say, well, you know, uh, when you hear people preaching like that, that's, that's a very a greedy way of thinking. That's a very self-centered and greedy way of thinking. It's not. It's God's plan to move you forward. It's God's plan to move you forward. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day or till the full light of day. So God's telling us through the writer of Proverbs that he has a plan for the path of his righteous people. It's that they get ever brighter or that they never stop increasing until the perfect day. So there should never be a time in your life where you believe God doesn't want you increasing. There should never be a time in your ministry, your business, your personal life where you believe God, this is not really my season to be increasing. I'm just kind of in maintenance mode. No, every season is an increased season for you in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Every season is an increased season for you in Jesus name. Let me read to you Psalm one so that we never forget this. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in every season. His leaves will never wither, and in all that he does he prospers." Your leaves will never wither. You'll prosper in all you do, and you'll have fruit being uh, produced in every season of life. It's an ever-increasing faith. It's something that God wants to never stop in your life. Every season, there is increase available for God's people. Every season, every single season. And so as we move forward, and we're jumping into 2020 very soon, know this, that the same test that came to Elisha is the same test that's coming to you right now. The same test that came to Elisha is the same test that's coming to you right now. As God is pushing forward, as God is giving you fresh vision, fresh uh, purpose, you've got a choice to stay where you are or you can continue to move forward into the miracles God has planned for your family and for your life. You can move forward. And so the test goes out. The test is always going out. Are you satisfied with where you are? Are you going to get to a place where you say, I'm blessed enough? Are you going to get to a place where you say, I've increased enough? I've seen God do enough. Or do you believe there's much more available to you? Do you believe that there are far more miracles in your future that you've not even seen yet 
that God's ready to release into your life, ministry, and family? I believe there is. I believe there is. And I believe 2020 is going to be the year that you see those miracles come to pass. That's why we've set our faith. My confession over you and your family has been that before June 30th comes to an end, all of the goals for your year will be fulfilled and met, and you'll have to believe God for all new strategy, goals, and vision for the second half of the year. That's my belief and prayer for you. Such violent increase will hit your life that in the first half of the year, it will all be fulfilled and come to pass. And so there's always going to be this test, always going to be this test. Am I satisfied to stay where I am? Am I satisfied to stay where I am? And here we see Elisha was not. And so what did he do? On that final transition, he moved over the Jordan River with Elijah and came to the other side. And now it was just the two of them that were together. And verse nine says, and when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. Hallelujah. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and the horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Now look at this, such a powerful thing. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And he took up the cloak. <laughs> that of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen down from Elijah and struck the water saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted from one side to the other and Elisha went over on dry ground. Now look at verse 15. This is supernatural. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, the ones who weren't satisfied, who were satisfied to stay where they were, the ones that didn't go over on dry ground, listen to what the Bible says. When the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. I want you to see what happened here is that in one moment, now the transition happened in one moment, but the setup happened over a long period of time. He picked up the cloak in one moment, but his qualification to pick up the cloak happened over a long period of time. And look what happened. As soon as he came back across, one translation said they saw him from afar and said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. It blows my mind that they could quickly and clearly see that Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. They didn't have to get right up on him to see it. They didn't have to sit and listen to him teach for a while. They didn't have to watch him perform miracles for a long period of time. They saw him strike the water. They saw him come across and they said, surely the spirit of Elisha rests upon Elijah. 
And from that moment, they bowed down low before him. You go on a few chapters beyond that, and guess what happens? They're all sitting at his feet as he's teaching them, just as Elijah had done before him. So he inherited even the position of Elijah. But what was this key? What was this key that put him in position to receive this double portion from Elijah? It was the key of spiritual hunger. And I want you to write it in the comments, every person that's watching. Spiritual hunger is the key to increase. I want you to write it in the comments right now. Spiritual hunger is the key to increase. Spiritual hunger is the key to increase. This is such a powerful thing. You've got to catch it today. Spiritual hunger is the key to increase. Let me read you a quote. I love this quote from Dr. John G. Lake. Dr. John G. Lake actually released a book entitled Spiritual Hunger. And uh, this was a quote that he had from that book. Listen to this. And if you don't know who Dr. John G. Lake was, a powerful missionary apostle to South Africa, uh, had those healing rooms in Spokane, Washington, a uh, hundred thousand documented miracles in 10 years. I mean, a mighty man of God read his biography when you get the chance, but this is what Dr. Lake said. I, I love this. He said, hunger is the greatest persuader I know of. It's a marvelous power. Nations have learned that you can do almost anything with a populace until they get hungry. But when they get hungry, watch out. There's a certain spirit of desperation that accompanies hunger. I wish we all had it spiritually. I wish we were desperately hungry for God. Wouldn't it be glorious? And so understand, Dr. Lake was saying, if I could get anything into the spirits of men, if I could impart anything into the spirits of women, it would be spiritual hunger for God. Because you know as well as I do, that people that are hungry get desperate. People that are starving get desperate. And they begin to take acts of desperation to be filled. That's why, and I want to read this verse of scripture to you from Matthew chapter 5. One of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. This is from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And listen to what he said. Blessed, this is verse 6 of chapter 5. Blessed are those who who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. So there's a supernatural filling that is available for people who get hungry and thirsty for the things of God. And that's what Elisha was. Without question, he was hungry. He, you would not spend your whole life. Let me give you some backstory that you may not know. Elisha came from a wealthy family. Many people don't know that. But Elisha came from a wealthy family. He was not a pauper. He wasn't you know, a bum that got an opportunity to travel with a prophet. He came from a wealthy family. His father was a wealthy landowner. And when Elijah came down from Mount Horeb and met Elisha to throw his cloak on his shoulders and say, follow me, Elisha was actually plowing his father's lands and was in line to receive the inheritance of his father. And so it's not like, you know, it's not like um, Elisha was a nobody. He had wealth. He had inheritance coming to him. He had riches. But notice what he did. He understood the power 
and had such a craving and a desire and a hunger for the power that was on Elijah's life that the moment Elijah threw his cloak on his shoulders while he was plowing his field, he took his 24 oxen and slaughtered them, took his plows and burnt them. He took the wood from his plows, created a fire, and burnt the meat of the 24 oxen on the fire and served a feast to the people of the village and town. They all ate it in a celebration and he left it all behind to go follow Elijah and to serve him and to uh, learn from him and to receive from him. So it's not like Elisha was a nobody. He was an influential man. He would have been an influential man economically in the community, but he gave that all up because he said, I see something greater on Elijah's life that I want. And so it was a hunger from the very beginning. Isn't it interesting? Elisha was hungrier for the spirit of God than he was for natural recognition. You know, imagine being the servant of a prophet in that time where, you know, persecution for being a prophet was rampant. You know, to the point, you know, Ahab and Jezebel were making plans to kill, to murder all of the prophets of God. Uh, Elijah was so discouraged about it that he went up on top of the mountain, went into a cave and went through a deep discouragement until the Lord spoke to him. Elijah literally thought he was the only person left in the world that was faithful to Jehovah. And God actually had to speak to him and say, you're not the last one left. I've got thousands that have not bowed their knee to Baal nor kissed him. And so Elijah came down from the mountain and that was the moment when he came down from the mountain, God assigned Elisha to Elijah and they began to travel together. So it's a powerful thing to understand that from the beginning, Elisha was willing to take the persecution, was willing to go and to travel and to give up everything. The fact that he burned his plows and killed all of his animals was him burning the bridge so that he had to move forward. He could not move back. He couldn't go back. There was no plan B. There's no plan B when you're serving the Lord or doing what he's asked you to do. And so he burnt the plows and he, and he killed the animals. And he said, I'm moving forward to follow Elijah. He had a hunger. There is a... There is a supernatural blessing that always accompanies supernatural hunger. There's always a blessing that accompanies supernatural hunger. The Bible, Jesus himself promised it. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Get ready to be filled in 2020. Get ready for every area of your life to be filled as you get spiritually hungry to do more for the Lord than you've ever done before. I'm not speaking to the people on the fringe. I'm speaking to those that are right in the middle of what God wants them to do with their life. I'm speaking to the faithful. I'm talking to people, those that are watching me today. I'm not I understand that people pop on and pop off. They just want to see what's happening on the broadcast. They're in and out. I'm talking to the faithful. I'm talking to the people that this is not a game to you. This is a lifestyle to you. That this is, it's God before anything else. That's who I'm talking to. Because when God looks at his faithful and finds them hungry, the Bible says that he begins to show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. He shows himself strong and mighty on their behalf. 
That's going to be your story in Jesus' name. God's going to show himself strong and mighty on your behalf in 2020. It's time to get supernaturally hungry. It's time to go after God with a hunger like we've never had before. You know, I found it interesting. I was reading a book by Dr. Paul Youngi Cho, uh, who I believe later later changed his name to David Youngi Cho. Um, it was called Prayer That Brings Revival. I've mentioned it on the broadcast before. He said, obviously, prayer is powerful. He said, but the real trick is getting people to be hungry enough to actually pray. Isn't that interesting? He said, obviously, prayer is powerful. Prayer changes nations. Prayer changes people. But he said, the real trick is getting people hungry enough to spend time in prayer. Getting people hungry enough. I I would say it to you like this. Don't wait until there's a crisis to pray. Pray so that you can be exempted from the crisis. You see that? Don't wait until there's a crisis to pray. Pray until you've been exempted from the crisis. Many people wait until things get bad in their life to pray. Don't wait for that. Pray daily, never cease praying and seek after God. Study his word, let him speak to you. He'll speak to you not only through his written word, but through his voice as you'll pray and listen for his voice. Let me tell you a quick story that's very interesting. One of the greatest men of uh, the previous generation was, his name was Dr. Howard Carter. And Dr. Carter was born in Birmingham, England in, uh, I believe, like the 1890s, 1891. He got saved at the age of 18 and then got filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 24. And when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he started ministering to people in England and started his, his ministry. It was at that time that when he turned 24 that World War I had broken out against England. And at the time, England did not allow conscientious objectors to war. And he felt as a minister that he should not take up arms against other people. So he objected to going to war in World War I. So they threw him into jail. In jail, God began to speak to him and give him revelation regarding the gifts of the Spirit. We're talking about a man who, probably more than anyone else in his generation, had a great, great revelation on the gifts of the Spirit, which weren't being talked about uh, as frequently or at all. Many people believe that the gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12 were actually just fulfilled with natural things. Like, for example, they believe that the word of knowledge was just a knowledge that like it would be something like college professors would have, knowledge. They believe that divine healing was carried out by medical doctors. You know, if, if a doctor was able to cure you, that's divine healing. And uh, God gave him the revelation in jail that um, the gifts of the Spirit are supernatural in nature, not natural in nature. And uh, so he got out of jail and started preaching more, took over Hampstead Bible College and was there as the headmaster for 27 years helped to found the Assemblies of God in Ireland and and Great Britain. Then God spoke to him. He was praying one day. And God spoke to him and said, it's time for you to leave all this behind and move to the United States of America and uh, and minister from there and start to touch the world, touch the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and he moved. And then in, in, I believe it was 1948. Uh, maybe, maybe it was even earlier than that. He met Dr. Lester Sumrall, who was not a doctor at the time, who met Lester Sumrall. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard of that, that name. The, the, the video you see at the beginning of the broadcast, Feed the Hungry, is a, it was founded by Lester Sumrall and a powerful man of God that's gone on to be with the Lord as well. Uh, and, and Dr. Howard Carter was in his 40s. Lester Sumrall was in his 20s. And God gave Howard Carter a word prophetically that Lester Sumrall was to travel with him around the world. Now, here's a young man in his 20s in a time where travel was not easy. I mean, we're talking about taking steamships across the ocean to get to other nations. People weren't flying. You know, it, it was a steamship, you know, at a cabin. You're on weeks on the ocean until you get to another continent. And uh, he received it. Now, I want you to see the spiritual hunger that took place. Dr. Summerall knew, he knew that he was supposed to receive from Howard Carter. He knew there was an anointing on that man's life that he was going to receive an impartation from. And so Dr. Carter actually left the United States and went to Australia to preach. And Lester Summerall went to get his passport and then left, literally. Think about the faith to do this in the, in the 19, whatever it was, 30s or 40s. Imagine the faith to do this, leaving everything behind. Now, they, they had plans to meet each other in Hong Kong. Uh, in China to continue preaching. And then they had all these open doors to go. Imagine the faith of doing this, spending literally the last of your money, the last of your money on a ticket to leave America and go to China in the 1930s or 40s. And when he got on the ship, he had $12 to his name. Think about it. $12 to his name. Nobody was sponsoring him financially. No churches were sending him. No corporations were funding him. He literally said, by faith, I'm going to receive what this man has. I'm going to obey the prophetic word that I received from the Lord regarding this man and left. Think about this. Left America with $12 in his pocket. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, literally goes across and took, took weeks to get across the ocean from the United States and then to, to end up in Hong Kong. And uh, that was the plan. But he ended up saying, meet me. Uh, he got a letter from Howard Carter said, don't, don't travel for China. So here's the first miracle. He says, don't travel for China. We've got new doors that have opened up. Meet me in Australia. Meet me in Australia. And then we'll go to these other doors in Java, New Zealand, different places. And so he'd already spent all of his money. And it was two days before his trip to China. And he, wrote, he writes in his, in his memoir that obviously steamship companies are not going to refund your full amount of the ticket two days before you leave. And so now he's in a jam because <laughs> Dr. Carter's not going to be in China. He's going to be in Australia. And he's already spent all of his money on a ticket. The steamship company is probably not going to refund it. So he begins to pray. Lord, let this, let this turn around. He goes to speak to the steamship company and they're like ticked off at him. Like, you know, we, we could have sold your cabin like nine times today on this ship. And, and they were, they were mad. And he said, I know I didn't know until later. And they said, we're not refunding your money. He said, will you please speak to a manager? The guy in a huff goes and speaks to a manager 
And after coming back, and he's just praying, praying, praying. After coming back to his to the workers' surprise, he said, "My manager is going to actually refund all of your money for this trip, and gives Lester Summerall back all of his money for the trip to China. He books a a, a, a cabin on a steamship to Australia, and two days later, he's boarding the steamship for Australia with twelve dollars in his pocket. Miracle number one already in the books. Gets." to Australia. Now think about this. He gets to Australia and they're getting ready to land in the harbor and uh, the immigration officers come on board the ship. Obviously everybody on the ship gets an immigration form to come into Australia. And one of the questions on the form is how much money do you have? And then underneath the form, underneath that question on the form, it says any passenger staying in Australia for more than three weeks um, must have uh, $300 to their name that they're traveling with. Well, now he's in another problem because he's got $12 in his pocket. And so the, the question said, so he gets in line. He leaves that question blank, literally leaves it blank and gets in line to go see the immigration officer. When he gets in line, a guy that's an American ahead of him goes up to see the immigration officer and the, and he hears him over overhears him talking to him how much money do you have and the guy's like I got 75 bucks and he says 75 dollars he said give me your passport and your ticket right now we don't want any paupers in in Australia we want money paying tourists that's what the immigration officer said to this this guy with 75 bucks he said we're sending you back to America tomorrow on the first ship out of Australia and so now Lester Summerall's like, man, that guy had 75 bucks. I only have 12. And uh, so he gets it. He's next in line. He comes up. He lays his form down. And the guy's talking to him. He said, what do you, he said, what do, you do? He said, I'm a minister of the gospel. And I'm here to preach the gospel and travel the world and preach the gospel. And the Lord's going to provide. He said, oh, you left a question blank on your form. He said, that's all right. I'll fill it in for you. And he grabbed a pen. He said, how much money do you have? And Lester Summerall said, well, not much. And the guy's head snapped up and he was like, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, how much money do you have? He said, well, I'm, I'm a bit short, sir. He said, how short are you? He said, uh, I only have $12. He, and the guy looked at him and he said, what are you going to be doing here? He said, well, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach all over Australia, and then I'm going to preach in other nations of the world, and the Lord's going to provide for me. That's what he told the immigration officer. And this is the second miracle. He said, well, wait here. And the Im immigration officer went and got the chief officer uh, of immigration who came back, and the whole time, Lester Summerall's praying, and the whole time he's praying, God, let, let this... When they came back, the chief officer said, I've got, your, I've got your form here, and we've decided we're going to let you land in Australia and go do the missionary work that you've been called to do. And so with $12, when he's supposed to have 300 to come into the country, comes into the nation of Australia, meets Dr. Howard Carter in Sydney, they, they end up traveling the world. 65 different languages they preached in with the help of 18 different interpreters, traveled all over the world, nation after nation, uh, meeting after meeting, seeing miracles, signs, wonders, conversions, baptisms in the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit in operation. 
and unless you're Summerall, receive that impartation. Imagine what it takes to leave home. I mean, even today, in two, 2019 going into 2020, imagine what it would take for you to just leave everything behind, sell everything you have, and even to get on a plane and say, you know what, I'm leaving for China or I'm going to leave for another nation that I'm completely unfamiliar with. I mean, you, you know, think about the fact that the internet has changed everything. Everything's so much more connected now. We're familiar with other cultures, other nations. There was none of that. You know, everything seemed extremely foreign and odd in that in that day and age. You know, it, it's, it just seemed everything was separated because there was no uh, communication systems like we have today. Imagine the faith that it would take for you to just leave everything behind and say, I'm going to China with $12 in my pocket and God's going to use me. But what was the cause of him leaving everything and going? Just like Elisha, he had a hunger in his spirit to see God use him mightily and to see God's power and anointing come upon his ministry. And he had a hunger that moved him to desperation in action and did what other people I'm sure were not willing to do. But in the end, what did it bring him? Full impartation, full impartation. And then he began to teach on the gifts of the spirit, just like Howard Carter and wrote a book that I've recommended many times, the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit and continued on. You think about what it takes. It takes a hunger to go after what God has for you. Don't get satisfied with where you are currently. Don't become satisfied with your current level of success or blessing, but know God has more. 2020 is going to be a year of more in Jesus' name. For you, for your family, it's going to be a year of more in Jesus' mighty name. And that's what I'm declaring. We're declaring violent increase, expedited favor is coming upon your life, family, and ministry in 2020. Don't settle for anything less than God's best for your life in 2020. But what's it going to take? It's going to take spiritual hunger. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. As we're getting ready to close the broadcast, what I'm going to pray for you today is that God would impart to you a supernatural hunger in your spirit like you've never had, that you would become so desperately hungry for God that your prayer... You know, it's interesting. I was just reading this. That uh, uh, this was written about the, the early church pioneers. When, um, when the Azusa Street revival hit in California... Prayer was such a heavy, heavy element that launched Pentecostalism in America that I was reading when Brother Seymour went to California hungry for God. He was already so hungry. Imagine this. He was already so hungry in his spirit for a move of the Holy Ghost that he was praying five times hours a day five hours a day and when he got to california and, and was believing for this he said lord what can we do to see your presence move and you know what the lord told him pray more <laughs> and he's like i'm already praying five hours a day he heard the lord said pray more and so he upped his prayer to seven hours a day now you think about the launch of pentecostalism in america in, Azusa, in the Azusa Street Revival, something that so shook America 
that America's never been the same. How did it launch? Seven hours of prayer a day. Power of God hit him. Power of God hit this nation. How did the Brownsville revival begin in Pensacola, Florida? Uh, Over a year of prayer every Sunday night. They canceled their Sunday night services and just prayed and prayed and prayed to the point people left the church and they kept praying. They said, you've got, people said, you've gotten too much into prayer. They kept praying. People left the church. They kept praying until the Brownsville revival ended up hitting, hit so hard. It lasted for years. People came from all over the world to be a part of what God did in Pensacola, Florida. What causes the move of the Holy Ghost in your life, in our churches, in our nation? Prayer does. Prayer does. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but no one's going to pray. If they're not hungry, no one's going to pray. And I mean, really pray if they're not hungry for God. And so I'm praying for every person watching live or on the replay or listening on the podcast. Father, today in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would impart to every man and woman watching a supernatural hunger for your spirit. Give us a hunger for the things of your kingdom, the things of your spirit. Give us a, a starving hunger to see your spirit move in America and in our homes and with our families and children. In Jesus' name, give us a hunger to pray. Let us increase our prayer time so much in 2020 that we see manifestations day after day after day in our lives. In the, more, in the name of Jesus, more hunger. Let it come into our spirits today. Your word declares, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so, Father, today we declare it. We will be hungrier than we've ever been. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, before we go, let me encourage you one more time. We're believing God before the end of this month. For And thank you, Chad, for sowing a seed. I appreciate you doing that. Um, we're believing God before the end of this month. I gave a $10,000 challenge. We're building out this studio. We're getting ready for television in 2020. And so we're about 2000 and some dollars in. We need about 8000 more. Uh, and we're already building. You've probably heard construction going on while the broadcast have been going. We've had people here today, yesterday. Guys are working. It's happening. That's why I'm in this room rather than our studio because we're building it out. It's going to be phenomenal. I'm excited. And, uh, and so we're believing God. I want to encourage you to sow a seed. Cash app, you can use MWGive to sow your seed. You can use hashtag donate on Facebook or Periscope on YouTube or any other platform. You can go to miracleword.com and sow right on the website. I appreciate you guys. And as I said before, any person that sows $1,000 or more, I'm going to be sending you a genuine leather, New Living Translation uh, Bible that I'm going to sign to you as well to say thank you. There's nothing like I, people, you know, it's funny. People think I'm old school. I'm, I still use a leather Bible. I don't, I don't preach from my iPad. I don't preach from my phone. Something about having a nice, genuine leather Bible. There's no other book like this in the universe. This is God's holy written word. And so I love it. I love having a genuine, genuine leather Bible. It's what we're going to send to you to say that we love you and appreciate you. Questions? Um, signing up for we. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you doing that. You're welcome, Marquise. God bless you. Thank you, Jessica, for sowing a seed. Praise God, Letty. Letty's testimony, she's saying, I started with a certain amount that I was sowing 
and I've already been able to double it weekly. Such a blessing. Thank God. Praise God. Oh, I can't stand those those covers, AJ. Those those like fake pleather covered Bibles. They crack. I, I can't stand it. Gotta have that genuine leather. <laughs> I love it. Amen. Love you, Hannah. You're welcome, Sonia. Any questions before we go today? I'll take a few questions if you have any on impartation, spiritual hunger, uh, anything we've been pre preaching, teaching today, prayer, uh, whatever it may be. If you have questions, pop them in the comments section I'll, I'll, for a few minutes that we have left. Don't forget tomorrow, we're going to be announcing the winners, but don't forget this. Send your favorite Christmas song singing a 30-second clip, or you can lip sync a 30-second clip. First place gets $50 to Target or Walmart. Second place, $25. Third place gets a coffee. And uh, send your video to Jenna at MiracleWord.com. All videos need to be in by 10 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to announce the winners tomorrow um, on the broadcast. And uh, we might just have a special guest with us. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say who. But we may have a special gift a guest who is a gift to the body of Christ tomorrow. Uh, Andrew's asking, how do we maintain impartation after we get it? That's actually a very great question. Um, one of the chapters I'm writing in this upcoming book is understanding that the need to stay connected, to stay connected to impartation. It's not just a one-time thing. Uh, for example, if there's, let's, let's just say you were a minister like I am, and there was a minister that you wanted to receive impartation from, just like the story I told of Lester Summerall and Howard Carter. You don't, it's not like you go in, receive hands laid on you one time and then leave. It's an ever present connection. Think of it this way. This is a great way to think of it, Andrew. Great illustration. If you were going to go to the top of your house, second story or whatever to paint the house, you need a ladder to get up that high. But understand this, you don't just need a ladder to go up, you need a ladder to stay up. So if you try to go up there and then remove the ladder, which is impartation, you're gonna fall. You need to stay ever connected to that source of power. Don't. And yes, I understand that we all have the Holy Spirit, but impartation is something God ordained, not man. God ordained it, and that's the key, stay connected. I will let you, I'm coming back, uh, Samson, I'm coming to South Africa in April. Um, how do we receive more sponsors for the Healing Center for the Broken? Pray and ask the Lord to send them. Thank you, Jody, love you. Amen. You may have answered this, but talk about waiting on the double portion. You prayed over me, and I've seen the double portion already. Sometimes we, sometimes the timing is what's hard for people. I, that is true, Hannah. Many times the enemy talks people out of their blessing in the waiting period. My father for years has preached on it and called it the season of faith. There's always a period of time, and I won't say always because there are miracles that are instantaneous, but many times there's a season between what you declare, what you pray, what you believe, and the time that it comes to pass. And so in that time, your season of faith, you're still confessing by faith, believing that the word is true, standing on the promise. But the enemy in that time will try to get you to disbelieve. He'll try to get you to confess against it. 
He'll try to get you to bring your faith off of that promise. That's the testing time where you have to understand you you will see it come to pass. It is coming to pass. And uh, that's a great testimony. Good morning, Rachel in Los Angeles. How do you know that this is it, the start of my destiny and purpose? I'm guessing you're referring to the, the healing center for the broken, Sonia. Everything in your purpose has to come from God, has to come from the Holy Spirit. We don't determine a purpose and then ask God to bless it. We seek God in prayer and fasting for his purpose for our lives, our calling. And then when we discover what it is, we obey and let ourselves be led by the Spirit. And so that's that's a key, is that anything you do, you need to make sure that you've been instructed by God to do it. And that's a great question. Yep, don't let the devil trick you into disbelieving God. George is asking, how do you maintain it if there's no one around you in church or wherever that flows in that? Well, if, you're, if your pastor's not even flowing in the anointing, it's time to move and go to a church where your pastor is flowing in the anointing. And I, I would move to attend a good church. <clears throat> I, I do recommend that people do that. You need to live where you're being fed spiritually and where your family's going to be blessed spiritually. The, um, you know, there's no church where you go to church and attending church should never be a second thought or an afterthought. It should be the, the main crux of your life. Where am I going to get fed spiritually? How is my family going to grow spiritually? Because all your other blessing revolves around being in the right place that God has you planted, George. Samson asked, can a person get impartation from a person who is far just seeing them on TV or is it possible to get an impartation that way? And the answer is yes. I don't believe you can receive a, and I'll have to define this, what I would call a full impartation from that person. And full impartation, when I use that, and I've put this in the book, more explanation on this. Full impartation would be like Elijah, Elisha had from Elijah, where you're taking over their ministry afterwards. That you you really are, or, or you're continuing on in their ministry or in their calling or purpose. So full impartation has more to do with calling and purpose than it does receiving just an impartation of blessing. You can easily, there are many things that can be imparted. Healing can be imparted. Wisdom can be imparted. Increase can be imparted. Um, strength can be imparted. There's, there's many things that can be, gifts and ministries. Gifts in the ministry can be imparted. And those things, which I would consider endowments or spiritual blessings, can be imparted from afar. No question. I've received uh, impartation from listening to uh, messages from people that aren't even alive anymore. But the word brings an impartation. Um, I've had hands laid on me by men of God that are not my spiritual father, but they imparted a blessing to me. So yes, you can receive impartations, but a full impartation comes from service and faithfulness to the one that you are serving and faithful to. Just like Elisha did with Elijah, just like Joshua did with Moses, just like uh, Paul did with Timothy, just like the disciples did with Jesus. Uh, it all comes from service to that gift. Great question, Samson. Yes, I agree, AJ, completely agree. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. That's right, Lewenda. That's exactly right. Well, I love you guys so much, and thank you for hanging with me. We'll be back tomorrow again. Might be a special guest. No promises. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. 
That's a great example, AJ. Bishop Oyedepo speaking about that. He said, I want whatever Hagen has, I want it. When he was attending one of the camp meetings in, in the States, and he said, whatever Hagen has, I want it. And God blessed him. And I believe he carries an impartation from Brother Hagen. I can feel it on him, and I can sense it in his ministry. Without question. Without question. So yes, you can. Love you very much. Thank you for all of you that are sowing seeds. We appreciate you very much. And uh, you're a blessing to us. We pray for you. We love you. I'm so excited about 2020, man. I'm ready to run. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget to send your videos to Jenna. We'll be back tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. If you didn't get a chance yet, share the broadcast. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, too. <laughs> Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed day, and uh, I'll talk to you in the morning. Love you guys. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.